You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hey there, listener. This is Randy from Grolix Podcast, and I have a huge favor to ask you. Actually, it's not that big of a favor, but if you could help us out, it would be massively appreciated. And no, I'm not going to ask you for money. I want your opinions. If there's only one time beyond listening to our show that you ever interact with us, this should be the time. I have a very simple questionnaire on grolixpodcast.com feedback that I'm really hoping if you're listening to this, you'll take the minute, the 45 seconds it takes to answer four questions. That'd be awesome. Why am I asking? Grolix Podcast is coming up on six years, our six-year anniversary, and episode 100, finally, soon, I promise. And not to scare you, but things are going to change. Mainly to keep it fresh for you guys, to keep it fresh for us, we want to spruce things up a little around here, and we want your input on what that will look like. Seriously, that's it. Four questions, grolixpodcast.com slash feedback. You don't even have to enter your email address. There's not even, there's no field for an email address. So, four simple questions. They're multiple choice. Grolixpodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X podcast.com slash feedback. When you see the questions, you'll know why. We're kind of gauging the direction of the podcast. Enough of that. On to what you're about to hear. This is the last of the summer live episode movie reviews I was holding in my back pocket. What you're going to hear is two reviews because I felt like these reviews paired nicely and the discussions are super fun. And these were a couple of the episodes where the chat was very lively and those were always fun. These are classic. These are classic summer Lunchbox Live reviews. First up, Unicorn Store with Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. Ooh, we had a lot to say. People had opinions. People had widely varying opinions on this movie. Super interesting discussion. And then the second review is of Christopher Robin, the live-action, modern Winnie the Pooh Disney movie. Again, lots of opinions on this one. Enjoy. That doesn't get you amped up? No. Okay. <laughs> well, it gets me amped up for Wednesday because that's what today is. So wacky, wacky. Ha- halfway through. Is the- that still a joke? No. <laughs> I mean, it is, I guess. If it has to be. Ah, <laughs> uh, darn it. Now I got to retire that joke. Wow. So, okay. Here's what's going on, everybody. Welcome to the Grolix Lunchbox Live. I'm Randy, and I'm joined by my Grolix podcast co-hosts, Jesse and Melanie. Hi, you two. Hi. Hi, you. Hi, also, you two. I decided to start just announcing your guys' names because it, the other way always leads to awkward pauses because <laughs> nobody's ever ready for it. <laughs> I, I mean, I get it. This, this just uh, leads to us responding at the exact same time to you announcing us. Yeah, that's true. Well, maybe I'll stagger it next time. So today we had movie homework. Maggie's here. I think I see Matt D was here. The people that matter are here. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's quality, not quantity. That's right. Hey, yo, Maggie. Quality. We did a uh, we did some movie homework. Well, actually Melanie, did you get a chance to watch it? I did. Okay. Um we did some movie homework and we're going to talk about it and I'm very curious to if you know listeners got a chance to watch it to hear what they think i have a feeling i don't think a lot of people will necessarily hate this movie but i have a feeling it is the kind of movie that it's kind of going to be one way or the other yeah (laughs) all right so what we're talking about let's just jump into it we decided to watch unicorn store on netflix now apparently this is a movie that was made in 2017 And it seems like it floated around for a while before it found a distributor. And that distributor, I guess, was Netflix. Hmm, Um, I wonder why. 
Oh, oh, I think we get. <laughs> I have a feeling we know how Melanie's opinion is going to go. <laughs> Maggie has some strong opinions about this movie as well. Oh wow, I'm, I'm interesting, Maggie. You are always a surprise. I never know which way you're going to go on some things. All right, unicorn That's good. store. You keep us guessing. Overview: A woman named Kit moves back to her parents' house, where she receives a mysterious invitation that would fulfill her childhood dreams. This stars, and this is kind of the reason we watched it, is because it's uh, it stars Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. But it also stars Joan Cusack, Bradley Whitford, and oh, Mamadou Athi. His we'll Virgil. call him Virgil. His name was. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we'll call him Virgil. I need a name interpreter. So, <laughs> is that um, a job that people can have? Well, you know what? There's a need. There's. A, <laughs> I agree. Demand. I agree. Where's my supply? Okay, so this was written by Samantha McIntyre, and something I didn't realize till the end credits roll. Directed by Brie Larson. What was it? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I found that very interesting, and that actually colored my opinion of the movie after the fact a little bit. But I have uh-huh. reasoning for it not not just blind, weird Brie Larson hate, which you know I get why she gets that because <laughs> her public image isn't the best. But uh, no, just because. Okay, Unicorn Store. First up, I guess with let's let's avoid like there's a major spoiler. Let's try to avoid that, but. What did you guys think of Unicorn Store? Whoever wants to start first. I think that I should not say because you're going to have to bleep me out, but we can't because we're live. So, uh, so it sounds like you're taking the Maggie stance. Well, I didn't see what Maggie was because she I, said she said total crap. It was total crap. It was total crap. It was. I agree. It was like it was like <laughs> having to watch uh, um, Lady in the Water, one of those things where I'm like, this just sucked away an hour of my life, and I want it back. Interesting. Uh, Rainbow Sparkles, which (laughs) has a a picture of a gnome, so I'm guessing that's Matt D. It was interesting. (laughs) There was some interesting character development. Are we really going to get, like, the women hated this movie, even though that is clearly who this movie is for? And the men are like, yeah, it's okay. (laughs) I think so. This this movie wasn't for women. This movie was for, like, eight-year-old girls or something. It's crap so something i i did it anyway but just because i was curious especially after seeing i seen it was directed by brie larson like what opinions were on this movie so i looked up on letterboxd and the reviews are very there are middle of the road reviews but there are so many like i'm bawling right now i loved it and then so many and then so many like that really just kind of have an axe to grind with brie larson but, I was to say, like, are they legitimate uh, criticisms or are they? There were just some after the, the fact course, anger. There were some, and then there were, of course, a few that were just like, I don't know. To be fair, he's ruining were, movies. There were a few that started like it was like a three star review, and they started just ranting about how they hated her, and then berating her for, you know, oh, where's all the uh, women of color she supports in this movie. Blah, blah, blah. And then they actually give the movie a positive review. So I'm like, oh, okay, I guess there's that. However, the general consensus I see in a lot is that this movie is like, who is this movie for? Which is exactly what you're saying, because it's too adult for little children and it's too child childish for adults. Laura, we are talking about Unicorn Store on Netflix. Brie Larson, Samuel Jackson, which, by the way. I unintentionally did the most mind-bending Samuel Jackson double feature yesterday because I accidentally got sucked into the extended cut of Hateful Eight, <laughs> and then oh was boy. like, and then it was like, oh crap! I need to watch Unicorn Store, so I watched that. Very interesting Samuel Double L Jackson. Very different. Samuel Double L Jackson. That's what that's called. It's a Samuel Double L Jackson. No, very interesting Samuel double feature. Uh, Rainbow Sparkles, if you look at it as more of a coming-of-age story where a person goes from being child-minded and fresh out of college to accepting the world, well, uh, that you mean that was this point of this movie? 
So yeah, is there like a synopsis for this thing? I, I already gave it. I already gave it. <laughs> oh, did you? Did you? Um, okay. I, yeah. So I'm gonna say because so Melanie didn't like it. No. And then we derailed the conversation like we do. So I'll lead with what I gave it on Letterboxd. I gave it three stars. And the reason I gave it three is because it felt more like a two and a half. It was really, for me, just down the middle of the road. But I was like, you know, there were a couple painful moments, but I didn't hate watching it. There were a few things that that I kind of enjoyed. There were some things that should have been funny that weren't, but there was maybe a couple laughs for me. So I was like, eh, it wasn't a horrible experience. I'll give it three out of five. And honestly, in two weeks, I probably won't remember much about the movie. That's why, you know, not higher, but I I didn't hate watching it. So that opening, the opening, like her whole art school thing (laughs) started the bar low. Hey, Paul. Yeah, we were having the same issues with technology, so it's all good. But yeah, so we're talking about Unicorn Store, by the way. But yeah, after that opening scene, the bar was pretty low, and it didn't get worse for me. I th- I feel like it kind of got better. And also, I didn't know what to expect from Brie Larson, and I think her performance is okay. Like, she emoted a couple times. <laughs> so so I was like, okay, well, she's not terrible. She, her real-life personality just kind of sucks, but she's not a horrible actress. Well, she was actually better at this, I think, than she was in in Captain Marvel. Hot take. <laughs> I haven't seen Captain Marvel, but uh, she was okay. But she, again, it was like she was like a child, and I I don't understand where this coming of age thing is because she didn't seem to change at all to me in the whole thing. Nobody really did, so that was part of it. And then, uh, but another thing is the only thing in here that that was any somewhat interesting to me at all was her boss and his like deadpan everything that was fun but that was it that was the only thing in here that i that i enjoyed and i i wish samuel jackson wouldn't take every job that they offer him because he's better than this i mean is he though yes yes i think he was i I liked him in this i thought he was great samuel especially like when he's like you are the most selfish person Maybe okay. there maybe there are people with jobs. Oh, when he went Samuel. That was great. Yeah. He, like he yeah. Okay, so Maggie said, I didn't get that at all. I felt this movie was an homage to everything wrong with current generations. The inability to accept it that at some point you have to grow up and that the world does not revolve around you. Uh Rainbow Sparkle says, I remember I will remember stick in the box. It is so revolutional. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> yes. Hold on, hold on. Yes, Maggie, that is the one thing wrong with the current generation. Uh, Paul, I'm sorry, I'm not sure what you are replying to. Um, oh, but he I, likes but money. I, Samuel L. Jackson likes money. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, he does. Yes, that's true. Maggie says she fought to be unique and different at the expense of everyone else. Okay, so here, uh, first off, I feel like I'm skipping over Jesse. What did you think? What's your overall? What did you, did you enjoy? Uh, I'm hesitant to say that I did. <laughs> I did. Li- I did like it. So, um, but I, I also like upon further thought would, would give it about, I would say it's about a three, but like, I have that initial like um, emotional response. Like the first thing I did uh, after finishing it was uh, text one of my buddies. Who's a dad of all girls. And I, says, and I was like, it's suit. Cause it's super quirky and it's right up his alley. And I, I was like, Hey, have you seen this movie? Because this has got your name written all over it. And so I, you know, I mean, I, I kind of marked out for this movie. It's not it's not super great. And it's not something that I'm probably going to watch over and over and over again. But like, I feel like it did what it was intending to do. Like, I, you know, and, and I guess that's what we're arguing right now is what what was the intent of this movie? But for me, it was kind of like uh, it was like the 40 year old virgin, but for girls <laughs> sort of, but not as raunchy. No, definitely not. Yeah. Matt says I work in a deadpan office, so that is relatable to me. I did enjoy the boss. I almost, although I, I liked Virgil's character. He seemed very affable, but it was great. I kind of was on board before. And I suspected because that's the cliche way for it to go that he was just going to be kind of a harasser, but I was kind of on board for this weird 
romance between her and this super weird deadpan boss guy, but it didn't go that way. Now, um, he also, Matt also says, I think the best part is when she realizes that, uh, in terms of being so, uh, I guess self-centered or selfish and starts to be a better person. So here's my issue for 40 year old virgin meets office space says Paul, here's my yeah. issue. This is, and I was, I said this in the Grolix. We have a little chat on the side for us hosts sometimes. And I, I said, this is basically, it was a fine watch, but the more I thought about it after the fact, the less I kind of liked it. My issue is it does have a character arc but it feels so artificial and just kind of there. And it doesn't feel, it doesn't really feel genuine. And I think my big issue with this movie is the main character. Part of it is it, it being Brie Larson, not because I have like an ax to grind against her. That's a weird way to say that an ax. How do you, whatever, not because I an ax to grind. Yeah. Have an ax to grind against her. <laughs> Cause she's <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Uh, so, <laughs> I had a good one, but I can't say it. I have to grow. Yeah, you know, I, I know exactly where you were going with that. But that's not how <laughs> well, you feel, so yeah. Hey, Naomi, Naomi, you're back. Uh, we're talking unicorn store. Uh, Maggie says, honestly, I felt that her final acceptance was so begrudged and forced. It was fake, like a small child dragging their feet. No, yeah, I would agree with that. That is kind of why I say it feels artificial. Well, I don't even see that she has an arc. Her, her arc was, I, I'm an individual, and I should just be myself too. I'm just an individual and I should just be myself. There was like nothing. The only thing in between was people weren't, weren't uh, uh, happy about her and she was depressed about it. That, I mean, and then she got over it. That's all that it was. Paul says it just doesn't pull you in as a viewer. Naomi says, no, Maggie agrees with Melanie. Another issue is, so the way she, her, the character acts, she is super childish. Like, I mean, that's kind of the point, but it's ridiculous. And I'm like, not to say Brie Larson can't pass for a young woman. She is still a young woman, but she seemed way too old for the character they're trying to portray. Like, honestly, for like the first five minutes of the movie, this popped in my head and the rest of the movie didn't prove it wrong. But I was like, so this is a movie about a developmentally challenged woman with schizophrenia. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> to be honest, yeah, kinda, kinda. <laughs> she seems stunted in a way where it's like Virgil. Maybe it's gonna be weird if you hook up with her. See, that's why you should need to get your kids a pet. So, <laughs> so then I was curious. I was like, well, how old? Not that it matters how old she actually is, but how old is the character supposed to be? Because she just got back from art school, I guess, but. How old's Brie Larson? Uh, she's 29. So she was 27 when they made this. 27. I I guess I remember me at 27. I remember me at 30-something, and I'm still pretty childish. But 27's too old like for her to be going through that, I don't know, just to be portrayed that, portrayed that way. Especially, like, she still has the teenager i'm gonna be uh you know i can't stand my parents and i'm just gonna be rude to them for no reason that whole thing and it's like at 27 you should be well past that yeah and who gets mad at their parents because they don't get them a unicorn and who gets mad at bradley whitford and joan cusack because they are treasures that's true i agree i did enjoy i mean bradley whitford's fine but joan cusack is yeah i'm glad she still pops up and stuff because she's great rainbow sparkles says audrey plaza may have been better in the role yeah i mean it does seem appropriate i mean she's definitely still older than what audrey plaza can pull something off like that off but i think it would change the you'd have to change the tone of the movie for it to make to for it to work paul says and now it's a whole different movie Maggie said, <laughs> agreed, like, girl, you are in college. Get a freaking grip. She didn't even have the excuse of a mental disablement. See, that's what I'm saying. I feel like she should have because I think she was mentally disabled. I feel like, yeah. Um, Matt says 19 to 22 would be my guess. Exactly. And, you know, I like Virgil, but he was a really, like, flat character. There wasn't really anything to him. 
that kind of sucks. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, Virgil seemed like that actor is pretty awesome. Like he seems interesting, and his character Virgil, the character seemed interesting, but there you don't get anything. There's nothing to him. Yeah. And even what we have to our main character, really, honestly, she's pretty flat. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm going to be a rebel for no reason, Maggie says. Uh, Matt says they are a love doll. I'm not sure what that's in response to. Maggie says she was spoiled. She was a spoiled, stupid brat who needed a swift kick in the butt the whole film. Mm-hmm. I kind of want her vacuum, though. You kind of want a vacuum? Oh, okay. <laughs> a mystic vac. I'm on board. Well, I like to vacuum anyway, but I want a Dyson. Sorry, what did I miss? <laughs> I, had step, I had to step away and turn off the AC. I, I want a I want a mystic vac. <laughs> oh yeah, I want a vac pack. I want. I yeah, Dyson. yeah. That's where I thought that was going to go. Is like, oh, we like that idea. We like the vac pack idea. Yeah, but they wanted they wanted Dick Glenn, so that it does seem realistic a little bit. Yeah, her vacuums were ugly though. Yeah, you, you could do a glittery glittery vacuum, but it, it looked like you let an eight year old loose with a craft kit. Come on, come on! That whole thing like, was ridiculous. I don't even though even though this you're not going to get all the glitter up. No, see that's the angle she should have took. It'll get all the glitter out, which is impossible. But so, you know, that's a good selling point. Yeah. My thought was that um, this this movie, even though it's kind of like about reality versus fantasy and where the two bleed together, like their vision of reality, there was nobody that was like truly like, I mean, like everybody was campy, campy. Yeah. There was nothing real about anyone in this. Like the closest thing to real was maybe the farmer guy uh, that, that tried to <laughs> sell them hay. Or the yeah, like he's the point. closest thing to a real person that we get. Everybody else is uh, is hyperbole. And he's of, literally of a one-scene kind of yeah, one bit character. The kids in the camp that were supposed to be, you know, there for, I don't know, trauma reasons. Even they, okay, they were. They didn't even, I mean, they seemed more real than some people, but even they didn't really seem like actual right. teenagers. Paul says maybe she led a secret shattered life before we were introduced to her. So social development was stunted. Maybe, gee, that kind of backstory would be interesting for fleshing out a, a, a full character. But we didn't get that in all, at all. Maggie says, sorry, we got home video of her growing up in a princess dress painting on the walls all the time. That's all we got. That's all we know about her. Um, Maggie, sorry, I really did not like this film, if you couldn't tell. Matt says, Kirby is still my favorite vacuum. <laughs> Maggie says uh, to Paul. Oh, yeah. Maggie basically just said what I s- said, but she said it before me. So I guess I stole her thought. I'm sorry. Uh, then there should have been some sort of flashback to show that. Um, Paul says, I agree. I'm just trying to polish a turd. <laughs> Paul then asks, could it be an exaggerated look at today's society? I mean, obviously, they're going for kind of a stylized, not complete. I mean, it's not supposed to be completely grounded. The problem is it is going for like a coming of age story, but it feels like that coming of age just comes way later for the character than it probably should. That makes it seem a little odd, but also it is trying to be like this important message for a certain generation and reading through the reviews, people are, there are a lot of people that latch onto it and like, Oh, it hit me so hard. And it's like, well, but it's such a thin, unsubtle, and kind of, what's the word? I don't know. I don't know. It's just such a thin way to go about that message. What what age group then is it that's liking it? Because I don't understand. Probably 40-year-old dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. 30, 30 40-year-old guys. <laughs> no, a lot of it. A lot of the people on Letterbox that gave it super high stars. It was a lot of women, and a lot of weird references to u- unicorns and lesbians, which I didn't. I don't understand that connection, but that's okay. It was a lot of women. A unicorn is a term, but I don't remember what it means. Okay, 
Uh, Maggie says at Paul, well, she just think the movie showcases showcased an issue with today's generation. This whole movie was Brie Larson's character fighting not to grow up, hurting everyone in in her path. And only after she's burnt so many bridges does she finally begrudgingly accept it. Yeah, but here's and this is a little bit of something that bothers me about the movie is I'm not saying that's not a valid point, but I don't know that the movie's purpose was to showcase an issue with today's generation. I don't think it can because today's generation isn't like that. They've been exposed to way more negativity than that person ever was in her entire life. She's an 80s trapper keeper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's another thing. The age thing doesn't like she watches cartoons that are too old for her, but whatever. That's not just today's. You've heard that story at least since Gen X generation and on maybe earlier, but I don't know. I'm not going to touch earlier generations but well anyway i i had to do have Kids a lot today of, <laughs> I, I do have a lot of complaints because upon reflection it was a pretty thin movie and there were points i mean i had the same thoughts while watching it but i was like it's innocent enough it's fine uh paul says it's just bad storytelling so i really wish it would have embraced this colorful glitter aesthetic more and went yeah. more stylized. I feel like if you just really embraced it, trying to like touch on this fantasy thing, I wish it could have embraced that more. And from a more stylized point of view, I get this is Brie Larson's first directorial debut or whatever, but I guess you only get one. Maggie says, I disagree. I think that one of the issue with today's society is a lack of personal responsibility. We are constantly told by today's media that you should be able to be you in every single way. No matter who you hurt or destroy, by passing compassion and balance with those around you, and that was Larson's character. I mean, I agree that's Larson's character. We're almost getting into a completely different discussion here, and this is one that I often have beef with. Is because anytime somebody, and this just becomes, no, no, it's okay, Maggie. You don't have to shut up. But it just becomes the problem with kids today. You could say that for. A many generations we heard it when we were growing up i'm sure the previous generation heard it when they were growing up like kids just don't understand yeah it's like uh it's like the reverse of uh the will smith song yeah it is it is i want to hear him do that version now now that he's now that he's a parent paul says i feel i felt like they couldn't nail down a direction they wanted the film to go and just said let's do them all Yeah, I don't know. I I really wish, like, if you're going to go colorful, glittery character who seemingly falls into fantasy land or has uh, not really, it's not like she has fantasy hallucinations necessarily, but man, that would have been a much more interesting way to go with it. And also, if the movie's goal is to point out a problem with quote unquote to modern society or today's generation or whatever it wants to be not to get into spoilers too much, but the end 100% undermines that mm-hmm. Maggie said, right. my, my takeaway is that it's a poor excuse for a film and should fade into obscurity. <laughs> what about, what about the store though? What do we, what do we think about that whole dynamic with, uh, with the storekeeper and the, is it or isn't it imaginary? Like it, it feels like, uh, and I know, I know because people love this movie so much, uh, <laughs> you're going to love this comparison, but it feels kind of like big Tom Hanks is, you know, I mean, yeah, big in that you've got this mystical element and it's present the entire time, but it's, it's just kind of in the back of your mind more than Maggie says. I never saw big. You, you're blowing uh-uh. my mind. That's you're crazy. blowing my mind, Maggie. Oof. Big it's, is interesting. It's better than this. It's better it than better, this. But it's like the complete opposite. This is like, I mean, this is the anti-big. It's the adult who won't grow up, whereas big is the kid who wants to grow up too fast. Interesting. Maggie, you should watch big. It's it's enjoyable. Yes. It's 80s, but it doesn't fall into too many of like, I, I don't feel like it has, well, there are some weird things, but whatever, that's yeah, it didn't that. it didn't completely age well, but you know, yeah. it not as poorly as some 80s comedies. 80s comedies are a danger zone in terms of like how well they age, but Big did okay. Yeah. yeah. It's got some weird like uh 
statutory rape type implications, though. That's well, that's the weird part. Yeah, <laughs> that's the weird part. But yeah. you have to think of it with an '80s mindset, I guess. Of of that's not how it was intended when when she makes certain comments. See, and but, yeah. if I was Virgil in the movie we're talking in Unicorn Store, I'd be thinking. Is she going to turn back into a little girl at some point and I'm going to feel real weird about this whole thing? <laughs> That's the way she acts. Oh my God. That would have totally changed this movie. Mannequin is great. Shut your mouth. Paul says it aged better than Mannequin. <laughs> well, yeah, but Mannequin maybe maybe not aged so well. They have a giant floor piano. Yeah. We did. We, we uh, Jasper and I, who did we have on that episode? Uh, Dustin. And Dustin Dustin's Smothers. Mothers. Uh, we did a Grolic Cinematic Universe episode on Big and Jack. And Jack. Oh, God, Jack. Ugh. Yeah, Big and Jack, which is a good double feature. Speaking about, you know, Jack's weird, but it's basically Robin Williams playing a child, which sounds great on paper. Not a good movie. Big, however, was a great rewatch. We had a lot of fun with that one. Here, Eddie. Yes. I'm going to hang up. If I call back in on my phone, will you answer me? Yeah, what are you doing? I'm going to work. Oh, well, you don't have, yeah, okay, you, yeah. Yeah? I'll, I'll answer if you call back in on your phone. Okay. I'd, I'd rather have you do that than text. Yeah, okay. All right, talk to you later. Thanks for joining us, Melanie. Yeah. Paul says, I prefer toys. I've never actually watched toys. Toys is is bizarre, too. It's it's interesting, though. I, li- I like toys. It was good. But I also like this, so <laughs> I'm a weirdo, and you should take my opinion with a grain of salt. All right, well, now the woman's gone, we can say what we really feel about Unicorn <laughs> Store. I love oh. this movie. <laughs> you know, you it's liar. so funny that <laughs> it's so funny that Maggie and Melanie both just so despise this movie because this is unabashed like that's one thing. This is unabashedly a girl film and that maybe that's sexist of me to say, but uh, clearly that's what they're going for. You know, with the well, it's kind of like the, uh, the it's like the end unicorns. game it's like that end game scene where we were all like hey it's okay to have the girl power moment and then most of our female listeners are like no it, it was demeaning it talked down to the entire thing that they were trying to set up it was stupid paul says my daughters hated it um, yeah there you go see oh naomi <laughs> says i love toys uh so melanie melanie's back yep yeah that unicorn movie sucked. <laughs> okay, no, anyway, I know I, I, I talked a lot of trash on it because, like I said, I don't know. It's just one of those movies where it's fine. I, I've, my, my general opinion, it's fine. There's a lot of issues, and that's the issues are what's interesting to me in terms of a discussion. So, you know, sometimes I got to hate on something even if I kind of enjoyed it. We can move on, though, if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've we've talked about this as much as we need to. <laughs> probably more, much yeah, more. Probably. So. Maggie says yes, please. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us, guys. If you didn't watch this movie or you hated this movie, and we 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 talked about it anyways at ad nauseum. Paul says it definitely opened a dialogue. I mean, to be honest, I'm glad Melanie and Maggie, and it seems like Paul was not super fond of it. It's nice to have an adult discussion about something. That's definitely not. Our general MO. <laughs> <laughs> we try. We try. We're not good at it, but we try. Oh, Paul, hand me those marshmallows. I want to make some s'mores. Whose idea was it to go camping in December? This is ridiculous. Well, it's Friday the 13th. You have to go camping on Friday the 13th. Why is that again? This doesn't seem like a good idea. Because if we don't go camping on Friday the 13th, how are we going to talk about Friday the 13th, 4, 5, and 6? You're right. You're right. That'll make a great follow-up to the last Grolic Cinematic Universe Friday the 13th special, in which we talked about parts 1, 2, and 3. That's right. We talked about when Jason was born. So this time we get to talk about, like, teen angst Jason. Jason's hit adolescence. Now he's starting to come into his own, but he's real emo about it. And the directors weren't sure about him either. <laughs> yes, that is quite apparent. Well, you know what? That's a good idea. We'll talk about some Jason movies around this campfire while we try not to freeze to death. 
the week of Friday the 13th of December. Hey, how can we freeze? We have a nice lake for ice skating. We have a fire. And we have a killer somewhere in the woods. What was that? Quick! Let's get out of here. We need to go to GrawlixPodcast.com. It's G-R-A-W-L-I-X Podcast.com. And check out the Grawlix Cinematic Universe Friday the 13th Special Part 2 coming up in December. I'll be joined by special guest co-host Paul of Moose's Monster Mash, and we're going to talk about Friday the 13th, Part 4, 5, and 6. You know, when the series really started to... It just really started to get real good. On second thought, I'm just going to sit here and wait for Jason to come. All right, anyway, (laughs) moving on. So... Christopher Robin, if you haven't seen it, Christopher uh, Walken, we're, Christopher we're in the hundred, hundred acre woods. Hey, Pooh Bear, what are you doing? Why isn't that a thing yet? <laughs> Pooh Bear, it's Winnie a the Pooh starred day. Christopher Walken as Christopher Robin. As a huffalump. But, you know, not like grown up Christopher Robin. It's like actual <laughs> Winnie the Pooh stories. It's yeah. just old Christopher Walken is playing the role. Okay. <laughs> For five long years, I had... No, I'm going to stop right there. Hi, Melanie. Hi. So what do you think of all this? Uh, <laughs> I gotta... Christopher Walken is just really expensive. You can't get him on everything. Is I don't know. You can expensive? get him to be King Louie. Uh, you know. No, I, 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 that's a Disney money. Bruce Lee is not Matt. Bruce Lee is Joshua H. Hey, Josh. I, I don't know you. But how are you doing? Welcome. You're, you must be great because we thought you were Matt. I'm guessing Huffalump, Huffalump is Matt. Hi, Huffalump. You, you should not say the word Huffalump, though, because it sounds like like sex murder bad. You sound like a, a woozle. Jesse, yeah. we can't, we can't hear you if you're here. Okay, I was gonna say we need Jesse here though because Melanie didn't watch the movie, so we need at least two of us to talk about it, and then Melanie can you can add your color commentary. Thanks. Well, I can just start with my color con- commentary, which is I didn't watch the movie because it's a freaking child nightmare. That, that movie right there. Okay, yes, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, oh, let me get Jesse in here. Hello, sir. Am I here? You're here. Yeah, we're talking about Christopher Robin from 2018, starring Ewan McGregor, Haley Atwell, uh, Bronte Carmichael, I'm probably saying her first name wrong, Mark Gatiss, which I should have realized that was him, but I didn't for whatever reason, and the voices of Jim Cummings as Winnie the Pooh and Tigger, Brad Garrett as Eeyore, Nick Mohammed as Pig- uh, Piglet, Toby Jones as Owl, Peter Capaldi as Rabbit, yeah. which I also didn't realize. Uh, Sophie Okendo as Kenga and Sarah Sheen as Rue. Directed by Nick Foster, who also directed, amongst other things, Monsters Ball, Finding Neverland, Stranger Than Fiction, Quantum of Solace, and World War Z. Here's a synopsis, and then we could talk about why this is like Melanie's childhood nightmares. Uh, Christopher, Wa- Christopher Robin, the boy who had countless adventures in the Hundred Acre Wood, has grown up and lost his way. Now it's up to his spirited and lovable stuffed animals, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Piglet, and the rest of the gang to... You put Eeyore in there. Then the rest of the gang. (laughs) To rekindle their friendship and remind him of endless days of childlike wonder and make-believe when doing nothing was the very best something. Yeah, because doing nothing is the very best something, man. It's the best way to do something. Is this even the kind of movie that can be spoiled or... Is this the kind of movie you you know exactly where it's going when it starts? I'm I'm gonna assume it's something like. Well, you already told me it was kind of like Hook, and I was thinking of that Finding Neverland or something was what I was thinking before. Yeah, it's basically Hook. That's exactly what I was thinking too when I was watching it. it was oh, it's Hook. Okay, so Maggie says Lasai. I had such high hopes for this film. It was okay, but not as good as it could have been, as it should have been. It's super basic and super predictable. And Paul says, it's Disney. Hook was great, though. I loved Hook. <laughs> it, is, it is exactly that basic idea. So first off, Melanie. Yes. Why is this like a childhood nightmare? 
because I had childhood nightmares about my animals waking up and talking to me. And I would freak out every time. Even when they even even when they were like, it's okay, don't freak out, we're not gonna hurt you. No, that just still made me freak out because your animals aren't supposed to come to life and talk to you. <laughs> and I think this is really potentially a triggering, as they would say, triggering because the visual effects on the character, the uh, animal characters, the stuffed creatures are great. And yeah. it, it's like photorealistic looking CGI for these creatures. And I think that would put really potentially trigger some uh, childhood nightmare flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and it was, I mean, it was super real. I, it, it, I can't, even t- I can't describe how terrified I was when that, because I was like half awake asleep. You know what I mean? When it, when I, First, have that nightmare. Matt says, "Wait, they weren't real." And Maggie says, "It's cute, but saccharine in the most basic ways." Um, Maggie also says they are definitely animated in the old British look, and I like that. Oh, I love the look of them, and they also yeah, kind of looked yeah. like matted and dingy a little bit, which was awesome. So, Jesse, what did what did you think of this? I liked it, but I also have to concede all the points that people are making because, yeah, uh, saccharin's a word that came to mind. Also, uh, sentimental is the word that I keep batting around because that's basically what this was meant to be is sentimental, both in good ways and in bad ways. You know, it it's, yeah, plays on your nostalgia really big time. Um, I think the animals were done excellently and really I could have cut all the humans out of the movie because they were boring. I agree. I think they should have just made it about a year and then just I would have watched it. Oh yeah. Uh, it so could have, I, yeah, it could have totally been just about the hundred acre woods and it would have been infinitely better because the animals and the voice actors that they got for the animals were excellent. But yeah, I don't know how you mess up. Uh, was it uh, Haley Atwell and, and, um, Ewan McGregor. I don't know how you messed that up. This had a wonderful cast, so it's got to be writing and direction. Melanie, can you see? You can't see the chat, can you? No. Well, Nightmare Winnie the Pooh says, "I dare you to bother." <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> okay, so I did enjoy this movie, but it is very cookie cutter. It is very saccharine. It is. 100% visually manipulative. <laughs> manipulative. Yeah. It's manipulative in every way, but it doesn't always work. Visually, I mean, it looks great, but uh, Jesse, I read your review you wrote on Letterboxd, I believe, and I think it was you said it was just just still missing something. Yeah. And I just, I yeah, I 100% agree with that. It is missing something. For one, the human characters, I agree, they suck. They're very, it's not just on the nose, but they're a little over the top. Like, so Ewan McGregor is Christopher Robin and he's grown up and he's, you know, like Robin Williams in hook or something, you know, he's all about it's work now work. And he doesn't ever play. Yeah. His daughter doesn't even know what playing is, which come on. Like, that's what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Like yes. they take this idea so and then the just top. stupid with it. Right. Yeah. Except um, Mark Gatiss. I totally believe that that's him. That's just who <laughs> Mark Gatiss is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um so that that aspect is really not good winnie the pooh is great though winnie the pooh and eeyore both like they did i they made it worth watching for me we already mentioned the visual effects really all the animals the i mean even if you great. don't like uh even if you don't like tigger you know like that's tigger <laughs> if you don't like tigger that's why you don't like him <laughs> Have a lump says more like caricatures instead of characters. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, how are the how are the stuffed animals more real than the humans? Right, like there's more depth to Winnie the Pooh than there is Christopher Robin. I appreciate, and, and I said it's like visually manipulative. It, it because it's trying to, and I say it's manipulative as a movie because it's trying to like it's trying so hard to make you feel that nostalgia and feel this and that, and it's just like but you're not really doing anything to earn it. You're not making me feel it. But, you know, thinking back, reading the books and stuff, Christopher Robin really wasn't a very good character. I mean, the animals all were better characters than him. He might as well not even have been there most of the time. He's the childlike straight man. Yeah, but, like, he's so... He's so over the top 
in this. I mean, not the acting. You, you and McGregor's fine. I guess if anything, he's a little bland, but the character's bland. And I get that's right. kind of the point, but it, again, it just comes down to it's so over the top. Heffalump says because the stuffed animals, let's see, the stuffed animals have heart. Uh, Paul says, honestly, if they changed the personalities of the stuffed animals, people would riot. Maggie says, I was really hoping the film would go in the direction of saving Mr. Banks. Uh, Heffalump says, because children are evil, plain and simple. <laughs> uh, I should know. I have two, he says. Um, <laughs> so now talking about the character, talking about the animals, though, again, that is definitely the redeeming aspect for me because it's been so long since I've seen any Winnie the Pooh anything. And I actually really like them in this visual style. And I do like that, even though I said it's manipulative, the movie just looks sad. And it really emphasizes what kind of like neurotic, you know, children's fiction characters these are. Like, I mean, Tigger's like the rambunctious one, but all the other ones are just completely different versions of neurotic. And it's super interesting. And I was like, I kind of forgot how low key and really a bummer all of these characters are. Winnie the Pooh oh, yeah. is so subdued, but like, I don't know. I love the Winnie, Pooh, Winnie the Pooh in this. And then Eeyore, who at first I was like, oh, I don't know. Well, like when he first, I don't know. He shows up floating down the stream once we kind of get into the movie. And the first few things I've said, I was like, okay, yep, that's Eeyore. I get it. But then as it went along, I, I loved Eeyore. And it just reminded me of why <laughs> Eeyore is the best. He said he has some of the best awesome. lines. When yeah. <laughs> older Christopher Robbins carrying him through a field towards like he just pulled him out of the water or whatever. Eeyore says, thank you kindly for kidnapping me. <laughs> it's like, <he's> so good. <laughs> <laughs> and then later at one point he gets dropped on the floor and he's like, right where I belong. I love that. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my god! Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the animals were good, even the, even the ones that were recast. You know, like uh, Rabbit threw me off at first, just because it's not the voice I'm used to from the cartoons and whatnot. But then, uh, you know, like then you realize it's uh, Peter Capaldi, and you're like, okay, yep, that's perfect. Paul, yes, hello. The, the uh, way the animals played out, it's like they are Christopher Robin. Like he wasn't a believable person until he had like the hook, you know, the hook transformation in Pan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once he got back and had the uh, oh look, I remember all you people. I know how to have fun now. You're right. neurotic fun. <laughs> and then yeah, he's like it, it, he completed his uh, neuroses. Yeah, that makes sense, and I do. That makes sense, and I do like that aspect of it. <laughs> The problem is when he didn't have, when he wasn't before, you know, basically when he essentially forgot them because he grew up, he became more of a cartoon character than any of them. <laughs> and that's the part that really bugs me. Um, well, like, I'm not sure they knew how to write that. It, it seems like it's a hard style to write. That was such a big part of his childhood. How do you forget that? Believe, I mean, right. how do you believably forget that? There's definitely elements of it I like because you get... Basically, like the intro, kind of the way it lays out during the credits, his his life, which is kind of interesting. And he goes to war and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. That could play into it. Like Christopher, what's Christopher Robin like after World War Two? But that doesn't really play into it. He just becomes, you know, boring. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's, it's kind of hard to also an issue I have is you've we've seen this story like a million times, the same exact story. It. It is Hook and so many so many other things. Well, like I said, uh, what's her name? Mary Poppins Returns the same way. Same story. Oh, I believe it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never seen it. In fact, I've never seen the whole Mary Poppins all the way through. Oh, are you serious? I've seen Ooh, that movie. Wow. I am serious. Wow. I've seen that movie a hundred times and I'm not really a fan, but. Well, that's my yeah, thing. They, they start driving on the sidewalk and seeing it and I'm like, I'm out. Those are awesome sidewalk uh, chalk drawings. <laughs> 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 any other thoughts on it paul and i'm not kicking you off the call i'm just trying to throw it back over to you no i'm uh i did and I, I i lost it on mary poppins it, me too sorry <laughs> oh oh I, I remember the point i was making so about it being that you know it's that same story 
But something that I have to remember also, and this is something I was trying to keep in mind while watching, because initially I was like, oh, like, because they really nail into it pretty quick as to like, this is this is Christopher Robin now. And I'm like, okay, I know what this whole story is. But kids don't like kids haven't necessarily seen Hook. Like I so I imagine every generation or so you've got to have a couple of these movies, even though we as adults have seen it a million times. I get redoing it for kids because I get the point of it. It just, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way. If they wrote the human characters that way to make it obvious to kids what they're doing. But like, you don't have to write down to kids that much. I feel like. Well, I, mean, I, I don't know. They would have uh, rebranded it as uh, a, a Winnie the Pooh movie instead of a Christopher Robin movie. Because I mean, after a while they did focus more on, the characters everybody wanted to see rather than, right. you know, the, the humans played a you know secondary role throughout the whole thing anyway, except, you know, his daughter who, Oh, look, you can play with toys, which was an aspect I kind of liked in, you know, I mean, everyone plays with, you know, phones. So yeah. Look, yeah. you can play with toys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it, it does have some, you know, merit for modern audiences like hey look uh screen time is is way overdone and uh we, you should be using your imagination which is a hundred percent what uh way the Pooh and these characters come from oh Actually, God, yeah. now that i think about it maybe pan is even older than that because they're like you don't even play with toys you play with sticks and rocks and cans and stuff we had to walk uphill to get to the hundred acre woods and neverland both ways and we liked it we liked it. Have a hundred acres yet? It was only five. We had five <laughs> acres. We had five acres. We pretended we were in a boat, but it was really just a box, and the box had holes in it, and we liked it. <laughs> I, I feel like this movie was mismarketed, though, because if I remember what I recall, first off, going with Christopher Robin as the title, and then just kind of generally the look of it, and. If I remember from the trailers, I don't know that this would be the most. I don't think this was marketed towards kids, and they're definitely right. we're trying to play on the nostalgia of adults with Winnie the Pooh. But I just can't help but feel like the human characters were written for a child audience. And no, they, that, did, they did it on purpose. They were they were like parents. Look at this. You can bring your kids to come and see it, and then you'll right. have all that nostalgia, and then you'll get your kids hooked on Winnie the Pooh, and then we'll have another generation to watch our stuff, even though they don't really care anymore. I mean, uh, if they use this as a jumping-off point for, say, a live-action Winnie the Pooh movie, it makes a great starter right. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as a standalone, yeah, it's something you can watch occasionally. That's kind of uh, like my star rating we kind of alluded to on Letterboxd. I gave it three and a half stars because I I feel like, yeah, I don't know, if I'm in a sentimental mood, I would maybe watch this again, especially if it's still free on Netflix or something. But other than that, probably not. Yeah, I mean, it's something I can sit down and watch with the kids, but I'm not right. going to sit down and turn it on to turn it on. It was doubly frustrating to me because I sang the drum a lot about don't give me a remake of The Lion King. Don't give me a reboot. Give me a new story. And I guess what's doubly frustrating about it is they did that. They gave me a new story, which is exactly what I would normally want. But it was missing. Well, that, that seems to be their problem is they, they're not sure how to do new stories. Hello? Did I get booted? No, you didn't get booted, but you are super choppy. Oh, okay. Yeah, their, their new story writing team seems to have uh, writer's block. It's just the whole, like, if you're going to put out an original movie versus something people know, the something people know is guaranteed to make money. Guaranteed, because people know that thing. Um, Maggie says, I honestly think that it's it was written for adults i think that disney gets that nostalgia sells but they have no idea how to do it that is a great point i mean what uh what has their ode to nostalgia been christopher robbins mary poppins 2 and a bunch of live action remakes i think they're banking on the adults i mean kids don't have money so the adults are going to take the kids to the movies if they're going to go take their kids to the movies 
they're going to take him to like, oh, Winnie the Pooh or Mary Poppins or whatever. Like they're going to take him to the thing they know because they know that thing. Is it bad if they're going to reach into the nostalgia bank? I'd like, I'd like him to reach back further, like Swiss Family Robinson and stuff like that. Stuff that hasn't been done like a thousand times. That kind of ties into something Maggie just said. Uh, they're remaking The Rocketeer, but it's going to be a Disney Junior show. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh. A modern Rocketeer. Oh, I'm okay with Rocketeer, but. It's my favorite movie, but I don't want to. Is see it really? It oh, yeah. I don't want to see it on Disney Junior. But, but yeah, Disney Junior is weird. Like what all the like, uh, yeah, like what is a preschooler is going to even know what's going on with what that is. So, I mean, here, that's kids, just, if you have a leak, stick gum on it. The Rocketeer, all the kids are <laughs> clamoring for that. Like, I don't know. It's that's just a weird place for it. It is. I don't remember particularly liking the Rocketeer, but I did see it in theaters like 14 times, oddly enough. Really? Because uh, they had the dollar theater back in the day. So mm-hmm. we would go see a movie for a dollar, and we'd go every weekend because we wanted to go, but then there'd be nothing on, so we're like, let's go see The Rocketeer again. So it I is have... a perfect early 90s Art Deco film. Yeah. Matt had said GCU Season 4, Mary Poppins and Disney movies Mel- Melanie didn't see. Yep. So Christopher Robin brought in just under $200 million worldwide, and it was made on a $75 million budget. So I guess that's a win. So I was just trying to gauge as to whether that had like sequel potential or whatever. I don't know. It's, I don't know Disney. It's, it's Disney. Everything has sequel potential. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure they were banking on having some type of Disney Zorro universe now. And what was the other one? John Carter, mm-hmm. which again, Disney with your titles. Nobody knows what John Carter is. Stick with the original title of John Carter of Mars, and you probably would have got a few more ticket sales. But they probably have sequels to that on straight to, you know, DVD or I guess, <laughs> I don't even know, straight to their streaming service now, I guess. They just, they have all the money. That's the, that's the main thing. They have all and the they'll money. make more. Yeah. And children are like little money machines to them. Maggie, I never watched John Carter. She Maggie says, oh, my God, John Carter, that was just, I needed to bleach my eyeballs afterwards. <laughs> uh, Heffalump says, Disney just needs to steer clear of pulp heroes. I mean, that's not really like, that's kind of the bummer of Disney just buying up all the studios because they do have these weird, very sanitizing stipulations that does extend to the studios they own. So I don't know. I just don't like all the movies going through the Disney filter. Yeah. That, that bugs me. I'd say it's kind of a double edged sword. Cause it depends on who the director is going to be. Cause the benefit is Disney has a lot of money they can throw at a movie. So if they can sell them on a grittier movie, mm. it can be a really good gritty movie. Sure. But the issue yeah, is the more money, the more money, a studio throws at a movie, the less control the director's going to have. Yeah, because they're not going to take chances with that money. Oh, I guess we should probably wrap up this Christopher Robin review properly, huh? <laughs> okay, so I think I gave this three stars. It's it's kind of middle of the road. There's parts of it I I really liked. I really liked, you know, Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore were great. I liked how the, the characters were portrayed. I liked how they looked. I was surprised by some things. I kind of expected you know based on what i remember of the trailer i expected it to be more of a comedy where it's like nobody else sees poo except for christopher robin and that's not necessarily the case so i was a little surprised by that Uh, but everything we said about the human characters and basically the just kind of blandness definitely knocks it down so three and three stars and that maggie would agree with that heffalump says 3.5 stars Sad, put it in a three and a half, four. All right, everybody. Uh, to Paul, thank you for calling in. It's been a pleasure actually talking to you. Yes, it has. It has been fun. All right, and of course, Jesse and Melanie. I know Jesse, you can't respond. Thanks, my co-hosts, for joining me again. You're welcome. And everybody else, Josh, the uh, Matt, the Huffalump, Maggie, uh, Savannah, everybody else who listening. Uh, thanks, and have a good day. 
This is what this is about getting older. I stopped wearing all of my sparkly clothes and eventually I'll <laughs> actually that's not true. I did not grow up. I wear all black all the time. So that's oh, like yeah, yeah. more of what I was <laughs> still stuck in the nineties. <laughs> There's nothing nineties about black. Black is eternal. Black, <laughs> black is, is everything. Black is everything <laughs> black, and nothing. Black is what I see when I when I close my eyes at night. It's the first thing I see when I before I open them. <laughs> 